Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed Local Provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. Securities sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIP. Welcome to Money MD. The money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and investment advisor with over 20 years' experience in providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm a financial advisor at Richard Young Associates, also a Dave Ramsey local provider, and been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 20 years. And I'm Gordon Leppard, financial advisor with Richard Young Associates. Glad to be here today, guys. Yeah, we're excited to have you listening to us today as well here on a weekly radio show. We are right here every Saturday like today from 9 to 10 a.m. You can also go to our website, moneymd.net. You can uh, click on a link. We have a podcast link on there. Guys, it takes us to a... Uh, to a, it's called Podbean is the site, but it has a lot of our um, past shows. So if you've missed a show, it's very, very easy to go back and listen to it. We get a lot of good feedback from clients going out there and, and listening to, to past shows. So sometimes it's hard to catch us on Saturday morning. So podcast is one way. Yeah, the feedback I get, that's a very popular way yep. for listening to us. Um, you can also stream us on your iPhone, which I think is a great way yeah. to listen to uh-huh. us. You know, while you're working around the house on Saturday, you can have your headphones plugged in and uh, listen to the money doctors right there or anywhere you know even, on the golf course right even on the golf course <laughs> yeah john you know i was playing golf last saturday and somebody had music playing you know oh, yeah. last weekend and uh did you tell them uh, to turn it to a money md channel <laughs> I, I should have you know it was a little distracting for me i'm not real good with having things you know yeah you know, distractions out on the golf right. course. Got to focus. But uh, anyway, you can you can listen to us anywhere is the point. And we have great stuff for you. Um, just like today, we have a great show lined up. Um, you know, one of the things we're going to talk about is the three loopholes that are perched on the chopping block here for the coming. Uh, you know, coming administration. There are three pretty interesting things that that folks use. Pretty common yeah. uh, loopholes to save you money and help you during retirement. And uh, unfortunately, experts say those may be coming to an end. You mean they're changing the rules again? They could be changing the rules again. Probably yeah, not going to help us, is it? They never do that, do they? It, doesn't it always help us when the government changes the rules? <laughs> well, absolutely. Yeah, right. Yeah. Particularly yeah. when you start talking about taxes. Yeah. Well, these are ways to save taxes and just to save money in mm-hmm. retirement. And, uh, yeah, so tune into that. You know, these this is interesting stuff. It you is. You want to take advantage of these. No doubt. And then we're going to follow up with an article from uh, Dave Ramsey. He talks about a, um, a, a family that they were making $30,000 of income. He was a, a commercial pilot. How he put himself through school. And he he has a million dollar future so could kind of lay out the steps talk about his story a little bit it's pretty inspiring um information so we're going to go through that in the second segment yeah that's a great story and then we're going to finish in maui they're uh nice they're having a get together a money meeting in maui uh for uh, the trans-pacific pact or some people know it as the uh, pacific trade agreement Isn't that called uh, more like a boondoggle yeah <laughs> who, who picked maui? sounds more like a boondoggle to me something like that uh but it's, it's, it's 12, 12 nations that are going to be getting together and, and talking about uh, trying to put this deal together for some free trade and just 
kind of do a quick overview of that and touch on how that might affect us here in America. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Yeah, that's a good topic. All right, and that leads us up here, though, to our financial fact of the week. All yeah, right. guys, guys, this comes from uh, the Financial Planning uh, Magazine, and it's interesting. We talk about this periodically, but value stocks um, have a an advantage historically over growth stocks. So a value stock is one that's just low-priced, has a lot of value on the books, but when you look at it over time, it makes a big difference in returns. Um, for 1990 to 2014, U.S. large value stocks outperformed U.S. large growth stocks by almost a full percent. Yeah, but that's that's not that much, it, John. It doesn't sound like a lot, does it? It no. doesn't sound like much. It makes a difference. It's about $86,000 over that 25-year time period. If you would have invested 10000 initially in $400 per month, so you would have had $86,000 higher. It's yeah. even larger in small cap stock. It's over 2%. Um, larger premium for the value stocks and growth stocks, and that's over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars that you would have more that you'd accumulated over twenty five yeah. years. It's a lot of vacations. Yeah, that's huge. That's a lot of golf vacations. A lot of golf I'm vacations, Mister Marvin. I'm with you. A lot of golf <laughs> there. I like that. I like the way you think. Yeah, one percent is a huge difference in your return. And you know, when you start talking about twenty, thirty years. Mm-hmm to retirement or even in retirement once you are retired if you can make an extra one percent return that makes a huge difference in your in your longevity and how long your money will last you and so you got to go for that extra one percent and using these risk premiums these dimensions of higher return that we t- keep talking about yeah, in the right. show are key to making sure that you capture all the return you can get and lower your risk level you know, to the appropriate level during retirement. Yeah, so, so value is a, a great way to, to – a diversified portfolio should huge, have some of that in there. Exactly. Yeah, value stocks are a great way to do that. Small stocks also yeah. and, and high-gross profitability stocks. So there are several dimensions of higher return. Great financial fact of the week. Okay, it leads up here to our first topic, though, and that is the retirement loopholes that are perched on the chopping block. <laughs> Yeah, no, going away. Here we go. Anytime something gets popular and, and it seems too good to be true, hang on to your yeah. britches because it's probably going to get axed. You know, once uh, once the next uh, sacrificial lamb gets laid up before the before Congress and they're trying to make a deal, you know, there's going to be somebody who wants to get rid of it. And that's exactly, I think, what we're seeing here. Yeah, there are plenty of tips and tricks to maximizing your retirement benefits. And, you know, more than a few are considered loopholes that taxpayers have been able to use to circumvent the intent of the law in order to, to pay less to the government. Um, you know, many times these are just simple techniques that allow you to save taxes, but they aren't widely known or aren't widely abused, you know, or like gifting a highly appreciated stock mm-hmm. to charity. You know, that's a break that's been around for decades, So, but it isn't too popular, so lawmakers aren't really tempted to target it as a loophole. Um, On the other hand, you know, once it becomes popular that it starts costing the government some real money in taxes, it it usually gets slated for the sacrifice in order to to save some tax dollars and show goodwill to those folks who aren't able to use the benefit. Um, You know, think about real estate tax shelters back in the 80s or maybe the write-offs on losses for rental properties. Um, for higher income folks, uh, you know, in the 90s. I mean, eventually these got so popular that politicians made them the sacrificial lamb for tax reform. So, you know, so what are is currently on the auction block um, for the next election in the round of reforms? Well, here are three strategies that are likely to be offered up 
here in exchange for concessions in the next round of reforms, according to the experts. So the first one here is the backdoor Roth IRA conversions. We've talked about this a bunch of times Mm -hmm. on the show. I mean, this is a pretty popular technique now, particularly for high-income folks. Um, Yeah, the U.S. Congress created this particular loophole by limiting income, by lifting the income restrictions for conversions from traditional IRAs, individual retirement accounts, to the Roth IRA, but they did not lift the restrictions from the contributions to the account. Yeah, so people whose incomes are too high to put in after-tax money directly into a Roth, um, where the, you know, the growth is tax-free, you have no issues with, with taxes, they can instant, instead fund a traditional IRA with non-deductible contributions, and shortly thereafter, they can convert that IRA to a Roth. So it's a, it's a way to get money into a Roth if you're not able to contribute. Um, t- typically, taxes are going to be due in the Roth conversion, but this, this technique will not trigger uh, much at all, if any tax bill. Um, but, you know, as they look at the proposal from Obama in the 2016, uh, it suggests that future Roth contributions will be limited to pre-tax money only. So it effectively, it'll kill the uh, the backdoor Roth. But it's open and available today. So yeah. I would consider it. Yeah, that's definitely on the auction block. Yeah, congressional gridlock, though, means that, you know, they, they likely won't close that door anytime soon. Let's hope not. Um, yeah, until the next administration takes over, since Republicans are not likely to pass any budget that the president drafts at this point. But it's also doubtful that any tax change would be retroactive, which means that the window for doing the backdoor Roths is probably going to stay open for a while. At least we hope it will. I mean, there's there's also, though, um, think about this loophole, the loophole of contributing after-tax money directly to a 401K, which we talked about the other week, you know, all the way up to the Code 415 limit, which is like $53,000 um for for 401k plans mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and possibly even a little more if they are exactly. utilizing the catch up provision yeah the catch up adds another 6000 that's that. right um so what folks can do is you know in their 401k plan they can add money uh beyond their pre-tax contributions and beyond their their uh the what the company puts in all the way up to a total of $53,000 they can put that in after tax Right, and then later they can convert all that money over to a Roth now because they recently changed the law mm-hmm. allowing you to do a direct, a direct rollover and conversion <clears throat> to a Roth. Um, so that's a really powerful maneuver that hasn't become too popular yet, um, but it's just a matter of time because it's even more powerful than the, the yeah. IRA because you can put more money in there. Oh, well, should, that's huge! A ton of money in there. That's, that's right. That's huge. Yeah, and, and then uh, number two, Steve, that you have here on the list is the stretch IRA. Uh, people who inherit IRAs sometimes, they have the option to take distributions over the course of their life. Uh, wealthy families that convert IRAs to Roths can potentially provide tax-free income to their heirs for decades. And again, you know, that's that's huge, um, especially considering how much might be in some of these Roth IRAs. Yeah, I just met with a, a gentleman this last week. He was 30 years old, and he inherited an, uh, an IRA from his father. So under those current wow. rules, he can you know keep that IRA the rest of his life yeah, and um, take a little bit out every year, sixty years. Yeah, probably. absolutely, and probably grow it over time versus having to take it out over five years and be taxed on it. So right. that's it, a big deal. It really is. Yeah, I mean, most lawmakers when they created that, they they just really didn't think about it becoming like this 
this uh, bonanza for inheritors, mm-hmm. you know, and a ta- an estate planning strategy. So anyway, we'll continue talking about this when we come back from the break. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net, or you can give us a call, 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who's a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is an advisor at Richard Young Associates. And we are continuing our discussion here before the break about the three loopholes that are perched on the auction block. Um, yeah, guys, I mean, you know, there are, there are, I don't really like to call them loopholes. You know, there no, are, there the are strategies, yeah, there right. are maneuvers. They're not really circumventing the law. They're not, they're not really loopholes. They're just strategies that have become so popular that some lawmakers start feeling like these are, you know, people get jealous because not everybody <clears throat> can take advantage of them. They save taxes or maybe they give you a higher benefit in something. And so, you know, people start complaining, and and it starts costing the government real tax revenue. Mm -hmm. And so when they start doing tax reforms, usually these strategies come up, and somebody wants to get rid of them. So they get auctioned away. They get used as a bargaining chip, you know, Republicans for Democrats or Democrats for Republicans to try to to get something, you know, get, get their little sweetener passed that satisfies their group in exchange for something else. Yeah, and sometimes they're small. Sometimes they're small. Sometimes they're big. Some of these we're talking about are big impact. Exactly. I mean, you've heard them talk about the mortgage interest deduction, for Mm -hmm. instance. You know what I mean? You know, heaven forbid they 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 get rid of that. Yeah. Um, five twenty nine. They talked about. Yeah, the five twenty nine. I mean, so there are lots of things they talk about that are really big ones that probably won't get probably not get axed because they're just too popular or too big, like the mortgage interest deduction. <laughs> I was going to say that, or it, it affects them too much. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's probably you know, that's so probably more c- the real come on story. Board now, well, come on, exactly. what are you saying? A little self serving <laughs> going on there just because they had their own health care and pensions and stuff like that. I mean, come on. Exactly. Yeah, that wouldn't affect their decision. <laughs> they're politicians. They're totally... Yeah, but some of that totally, mortgage uh, interest, I guarantee yeah, you. Yeah, I, I right? bet you're right. Yeah, but I mean, so the fact is here, I mean, there are three of them here we're talking about that um, are probably small enough, but yet they're they're being talked about enough that they're probably on the auction block. Experts say these are probably next to go. And one of these we just talked about is the backdoor Roth IRA conversion. Um yeah, I mean, this has become a technique for higher income earners uh, because they don't qualify to to make contributions directly to a Roth IRA. So what they can do is they can make an after-tax contribution to an IRA, and which there's no income limit for now because they lifted that income limit, and then they can convert that to a Roth. Mm-hmm. So it's just a way to get, you know, 5500 or 6500 into into a Roth um, IRA, but then an even bigger one than that is the the loophole, uh, kind of the backdoor way of getting money into a Roth by putting after tax money in your four hundred one k plan. You can do that all the way up to the four fifteen IRS code. Yeah, limit. that's a 
It's a, it's big, a big number. It's a big number. It's a big number. It could be 20,000 plus. You might be able to put an extra 20,000 after-tax money <clears throat> in your 401k plan. Exactly. And that's a that's a big number. And then convert that um, almost immediately to uh, a Roth IRA. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the equivalent of putting two and a half years worth of yeah. uh, IRA or Roth contributions yeah, that's a, that's into a big it. deal. You know, it's huge. Yeah, and that's a good strategy. It has not gotten very popular yet. I haven't seen the first person come across my desk that's doing that. Mm-hmm. So I, I think uh, you know that's one that probably down the road they haven't really talked about that one. But I think it, it may go away with the backdoor Roth IRA conversion. They may put income limits on IRA conversions, which would effectively knock that out. So it may it may get get circumvented, uh, caught up in the the. Uh, Roth IRA conversion. So that was number one. And then the second one here on the list is the stretch IRA. You know, I mean, for people who inherit an IRA, um, they're able to, if you're not, the, the spouse can treat an IRA as their own when they inherit it, right? Mm-hmm. But then if you're if you're a not a spouse, um, you can still stretch it out. Uh, if, you're, if you're one of the children, you can stretch it out over your lifetime, yeah. the, the distributions. So, you know, Congress never really imagined that IRAs would be an estate planning vehicle. So so many recent tax-related bills have included a provision to kill the stretch IRA and replace it with a law requiring beneficiaries other than spouses to withdraw the money within five years since that would generate some immediate tax revenue for, for Congress. Um, anyone contemplating a Roth IRA conversion for the benefit of their heirs um, you know, probably should evaluate whether it makes sense. Well, that's going back to the Roth IRA conversion. But for this one, you know, you just need to think about uh, whether it makes sense if you're planning on that, fi- then being able to stretch it out. If you're planning on converting money to an IRA mm-hmm. and then leaving it to your kids in hopes that they can stretch it out over their lifetime, think about whether it makes sense for five yeah. years if they repeal just, that. Just don't die. That would, that would help. help. That would help. And actually, I, I say that in jest, but do some planning associated with it. I mean, estate planning is a critical piece of your financial plan. So a lot of people don't think through this. Well, and, John, you know, one thing that you just said, though, the planning process, that kind of ensures that you continue to live on. Just that's right. Bit, yeah, you know, exactly. Because you're, you're putting something in place and in motion that will give uh, your heirs some guidance and directions. Yeah, and you can help with taxes as well. Okay. Reduce them. Exactly. Yeah, so the third one here on the list is the aggressive strategies for maximizing Social Security. Um, the current Obama budget also has a proposed a proposal to eliminate the aggressive Social Security claiming strategies, which it said will allow upper-income beneficiaries to manipulate the timing of Social Security benefits in order to maximize their delayed retirement benefits. Um, they didn't specify exactly which strategy they're talking about, but retirement experts say that they're likely referring to the file and suspend and claim now, claim more later <clears throat> techniques. Yeah, I mean, married people can claim a benefit based on their own work record or, or spousal benefit up to half of their partner's burn- benefit, and dual-earning couples may profit by doing so. So basically what happens is um, you you claim at 66 and then you suspend it. You take half of your spouse's, you let yours increase by about 8% per year up to age 70, and then you turn yours on. So you're still getting a benefit at age 66, half of your spouse's, but then you get a much bigger benefit at age 70. 
So yeah, in reality, that is kind of a double dipper. It you is. Know? It I is. Mean, I mean, I it's within the rules, but it's within the rules, and it's been there a long time. But you know, you are allowing somebody to mm-hmm. claim on somebody else's benefit while they delay their own. That doesn't really make a lot of sense. But you know, there are several great strategies like this for for maximizing Social Security, and the following suspend technique is another one. Um, that can be used in conjunction with this strategy or on its own. I mean, typically, you know, a couple will file for benefits on the other partner um, to to get, you know, a a spousal benefit. And then someone who reaches full retirement age has the option for applying for Social Security and then immediately suspending, like you just mentioned, um, the application so that the benefit continues to grow while allowing their spouse to claim a spousal benefit. So, you know, there's several strategies here. I mean, people close to retirement uh, don't really need to worry, according to this Boston University economist, uh, Lawrence uh, Kittikoff, uh, who wrote the, the bestseller, Get What's Yours, The Secrets to Maximizing Out Social Security. You know, he says they don't ever see him taking away what they've already given. In other words, you know, so if they... Yeah. If they do something, they'll likely phase it in over time. Yeah, and, and that's a good point. You know, Congress, they're going to have to make some kind of changes uh, in order to keep Social Security solvent. And, um, you know, th- this is just one of the many changes that we're likely to see uh, take place in the future. Um, they will probably also raise the retirement age for younger people, and that's something, you know, that we've talked about several times on mm-hmm. the show. Uh, that won't be a big surprise. And they'll they'll probably change the inflation uh, calculation that they use, you know, with the CPI and uh, the current formula as well. So I, I don't think that'd be a, a big shocker for anyone. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Well, regardless of when they these loopholes get plugged you know if you're contemplating any of these moves you probably want to get on with it since the new congress new administration are likely going to target some of these maneuvers in the near future you know in order to get some tax reform more to come on that more to come on that no doubt okay well that leads us up here to our question of the week yeah i mentioned earlier that i met with a gentleman 30 years old dad passed away he has an inherited ira and uh, so his question was, is, will I be taxed um, when it goes from his dad's IRA to the inherited IRA? And um, the short answer is no, it, it won't yeah. be. Good it, question. Right yeah. now, but it will be over time. It will be over time. That's right. I mean, whenever you inherit an IRA, if you're a spouse, then you get to assume it as your own. And so that's one of your options. Mm-hmm. And you can just count it as your own, and you don't have to start drawing to your 70 and a half, and you have minimum required distributions. And, of course, you're taxed when you take that money out. Um, if you're if you're not a spouse, then what happens is you 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 can take it over your lifetime. Yeah. So you get to delay those benefits, um, or you get to you have to take the benefits immediately. Right. Small percentage. Um, small percentage over your lifetime, uh, but it's based on your life expectancy. So you get to stretch it out. Yeah. But that's when you pay the tax when you take it out. Over you time. don't. And and that will not include the penalty. That's just a regular income tax. That's right. Uh, exactly on yeah. that. Exactly. Good so, question, John. Good question. Okay, well, that leads up to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net, or you can give us a call. Richard Young Associates during regular business, business hours at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages and Gina News. Money, money, money. 
Doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Martin, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is an advisor with us at Richard Young Associates. And we are going to lead off our next segment here with a new topic, and that is how one guy went from $30,000 a year to a million-dollar future. I mean, this is a great story. It really is. It you really know, is. this is a success story about somebody that planned and, you know, I, yeah, this is a good one. Yeah, way. this is this is from Dave Ramsey. And, uh, you know, he gets phone calls. I don't know if you guys listen to uh, his radio show. It's uh, it's a good show, podcast, and so forth. But you hear these stories pretty frequently, and this is really cool. Uh, a gentleman out there, his name is Rob uh, Welniak, um, that he's kind of profiling here a little bit. Uh, he's 38 years old. He's a commercial airline pilot, and he has no mortgage and a six-figure nest egg um, at 38 years old. And you know, this year alone, he's going to sock away about 33000 and he could retire with over a million dollars by the age of 65. I mean, think about that. Nice. I that. Yeah, I think that's pretty safe to say. Yeah, I think so. The way he's going right now with no mortgage and the way he's saving. And, you know, that's if he doesn't add another penny to his retirement fund. So you're probably thinking, wow. you know, that's easy. He's had, um, you know, an easy life and so forth. But that's <laughs> that's not the case. I that's mean, right. if you look at his story, it's pretty impressive. Um, about 10 years ago, Rob was supporting his family on about $30,000 a year. Um, so how did he get where he is today? Well, you know, he looked. He did four very smart money decisions that turned this average Joe into a, a big time investor. And the first one here is, is don't build your dreams on debt. And we talk about that a lot here, guys. And and uh, this gentleman Rob did this. He actually um, he was a son of a dairy farmer, and so his family couldn't afford to pay a hundred thousand dollars for a commercial uh, pilots, you know, schooling, you know, going through that. So he went to work for a tool and die manufacturer right out of high school and he put his dream on the back burner. So he, he didn't immediately follow his dream and his passion. He went and made some money instead of going into debt. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I think there are a lot of stories like this out there. We, we sit down with folks that have a great retirement and usually it starts with a story like this, you know, they came from very humble beginnings, didn't inherit the money. And so, you know, and he he has a similar story here. Yeah, after a few years of earning a wage, he decided to pursue his pilot's license. And all of his free time and money went toward training. He traded nights out with the guys for nights, you know, hitting the books. And he found a creative way to to keep down expenses. And, you know, in the end, he paid just about $10,000 to become a commercial pilot. And the best part, I mean, he floated all with cash. Paid for it. He did. He paid for it as he went. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, by the time Rob had married his wife, Erin, he had landed his first airline job uh, with a a new family to support and a mortgage to pay, you know, all on just $30,000 a year salary. Um, So, I mean, he was thankful that he didn't rely on debt to finance his dreams. Yeah, I think the average college you know student loan uh, coming out today is about thirty thousand so i mean there are ways to get around that working through college maybe going to community colleges um so the way he did it was was working and and building up that cash so the, don't build your future on debt that's number one the second thing here is is boost your income um, not your budget growing up on a farm rob learned the value of contentment i mean nothing was expendable everything was repairable and really in his world brand new was not even an option so his mindset uh really came in handy as he and his wife learned to fit their family life they had two kids into a thirty thousand dollar a year income it served his family well 
when a promotion nearly tripled his income. That's because, for the most part, their budget stayed the same. So they didn't start living, you know, beyond their means or even up to their means. So you're saying they didn't just go wild and start taking all the big vacations and, and stuff like that at, a, at, a, at an early time? Yeah. yeah no, really, w- what they did was extremely smart and prudent. You know, they had more cash in their slush fund and increased their lifestyle just a bit. But they didn't go, uh, you know, from ramen noodles to steak dinners immediately. Yeah. You know, they, they really paced themselves. They bought their kids' clothes at consignment uh, sales and kept driving the, you know, the the used paid-for car. Um, and I love the way Dave Ramsey says that, too. He's like, you know, this is the new uh, status symbol, you know, the paid-for yeah. car. Yeah. Uh, when the bank approved them for $350,000 worth of a mortgage, they built a home for half of that. Yeah, I like that. That's you know, that's so smart. They, they 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 acted their wage mm-hmm. and stayed exactly. within their means. Yeah, so they didn't increase their their budget when their income increased. They yeah, kept they living. Didn't, they didn't live to their means. That's right. We or talked about the other day. Right. You, you you got to live below your means, not to your means. So that's a very important one. That's the second one. The third one here is give your goals a purpose. Um, by 2011, Rob was making about a hundred thousand dollars a year, and that's when the fear set in. He he realized. Uh, the more money he made, the harder it was going to replace um, if something were to happen to him. Um, obviously, life insurance, they don't really talk about that, but I'm sure he had some, some good life insurance to protect his life. But if he lost a job, um, that would be a, a risk to his family. So he got this crazy idea. If they made a couple of tweaks to their budget and they quit blowing their slush money, they could pay off their mortgage in just two years. So Rob worked overtime uh, whenever he could uh, to fuel their progress. He got another promotion along the way. And by that point, they were they were throwing about $4,000 a month wow. to the mortgage, and they were living on less than 2000 And, you know, one of the things you hear when people call into Dave's show is he asks, was it easy? And they say, well, no. It's it's not easy, but it's easier than having all the fear and stress associated with it. Yeah, that that sounds like that crazy idea. I, I know of somebody that um, that planned to pay cash for their house, their very first house. Oh, that is crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. You that can't was, do it that. Was uh, that. It was nuts. That's a pretty nuts. cool idea, there, Steve. Yeah, I know somebody that did that. And that's that was, awesome. Uh, that was pretty unbelievable worked out pretty well, idea. Huh? It was, you know, his wife came with that idea too. It was yeah, just, she was she was nuts. That's smart to give the she wife was credit. Nuts, it really was. You got to marry the right woman. That's that's the key here. Yeah, but you know, he knew that money had a purpose. You know, being debt free meant that his wife could continue working as a stay home mom. I mean, what mattered um, was the future that it brought, and you know, Rob could spend more time at home being a dad and a husband. Um, so their effort paid off in 2013. You know, they kissed their mortgage goodbye on, on her birthday, Aaron's birthday, just shy of their two-year deadline. So Happy was, birthday. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, so he was able to pay off that mortgage. That's two, fantastic. That's amazing. That's so, so give your goals a purpose. I talk to people about being intentional. Them writing checks every single month is being intentional about it. The last one here is, is start small and fin- finish big. Rob May be a big investor today, but he didn't start out that way. Um, back in 2007, they had a solid emergency fund, and the mortgage was the only debt to their name. So they, they did start saving for retirement at that point. And, and he, Rob goes on to say, at first, we were only investing a couple of percent into the company's 401k. But you know when they decided to pay off their house, 
they continued to invest enough money to get the match. Um, and after all, Rob not only um, had enough money to put, get the, the match, but he also started putting money into um, a, a Roth IRA. So he started funding additional vehicles, and that's where some of the wealth is being built. Yeah, that, that's what they say here. It says once the, once the mortgage was out of the way, you know, they're basically they're shooting at an open goal. You know, they could really, really get after it. And so they started maxing out his 401K. They opened those Roths like you talked about. They were able to put some money uh, toward the kids' college funds. And today they invest about 2500 a month mm. and uh, have already maxed out, you know, both uh, Roth IRAs. It says uh, the 401K will be maxed by October. Yeah. So, you know, they, they've set some – some goals there and they're they're really getting after it and still maintaining a good lifestyle yeah so these these guys i mean a couple things are are fundamental no debt um you know they paid off their their mortgage which is very very unusual at that age Uh, they had an emergency fund they were getting their company match right they had goals they were doing roth iras and these are things that we talk about on the show every single week and uh, it's kind of cool to see a, a personal story here and you know you can do it too i mean folks listening out there um whatever age you are maybe you have kids or grandkids that you can share this information with um you know rob's story is proof that financial success has more to do with with grit than good so, i mean he started out making very very little but he positioned his family to uh, to be successful rob says i'm not sophisticated i'm the son of a dairy farmer um i know hard work I know simple arithmetic, and I know that rainy days will come. Um, Steve, you, you're you're fond of saying it's it's all about the math. That's <laughs> it exactly comes down right. to math exactly. in a lot of this. So, you know, if you're working hard to win with money, then then you're on the right track. Um, just start where you are and build the way up. Some resources out there. You can certainly contact us. Um, we would be more than happy to help you. Dave Ramsey has a lot of good information at DaveRamsey.com. He has classes that people go to. He has books. I mean, there's a lot of resources. Clark Howard's good. Uh, there's a lot of fantastic information out there, podcasts. Just tune in to something. Listen. Try to increase your, your, your knowledge and then your motivation. I was going to say, and then once you have that knowledge, apply it. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's a key point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> really Application's huge. you got to get the vision. I mean, just like Rob and Aaron here, you got to get a vision of what money can do for you if it's treated properly, you yeah. know, and if you keep debt down. And that's what they did. You know, they had a vision of being totally out of debt. They lived within $30,000 a year of means, you know, which is very, very small. But it can be done. And they just proved that you can do some great things here with pretty modest means and, yep. and help yourself. To be the way. focused. Exactly. So great story. All right. That leads up to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call. Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to Money MD. Money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is an advisor uh, with us at Richard Young Associates. And we are going to lead off our last segment here with the prescription of the week. Yeah, guys, we talk about Roth IRAs as a great savings vehicle. Um, you know, you put money in after tax. 
And then when you use it in retirement, there's no tax. So it's a great way to save, but some people are not eligible. So if you have a too high of an income, there are some ways to get in money into a Roth IRA. And we talked about it a little bit. You can do conversions. If you have an IRA out there, you can actually convert it to a Roth, but you have to pay the taxes on it to get it in there. But you can also put money into an after-tax um, account in your 401k and then roll it over. So we were just talking about that earlier, but that's a great way to get some money in a Roth. And that's a powerful tool because you can get a lot of money in a Roth you that can. way. Like, um, because... Yeah, I mean, because if you think about a 401k, you know, your your pre-tax limit for putting money in is what, I think, $24,000 a year, mm-hmm. maybe. And uh, if you're below 50, or if that's if you're over 50. If you're over 50, right. If you're over 50, yep. so that's the max you can put in. The company then, you know, will put in a match typically, maybe yep. 3%, maybe all the way up to 6%. Right, right. But again, that's only going to get you another you know, maybe three to five thousand dollars or six thousand dollars into your your account. Well, then maybe you have six thirty thousand dollars total that's gone in. Well, there's actually another limit called the four fifteen limit for four one k plans, which says you can put another amount of money all the way up to fifty three thousand dollars if you're below fifty, mm-hmm. or fifty nine thousand if you're over fifty. So that's twenty three to twenty nine thousand dollars total. Exactly. I mean that is a big number of to put in Roth. Additional money that you could put in a Roth. You could put in after tax. Then you could turn around and roll that money almost immediately, mm-hmm. convert it. You roll it and convert it at the same time into a Roth IRA. That's an amazing yeah, uh, and that's what we talked about. They may at some point they may close that loophole. Exactly. So exactly. take advantage. I was going to say, use it while you can. Yeah, that's right. But yeah. So if you Roth have money that, is good money in retirement. Roth it's, money is great. Very that's powerful right. money. Yeah, totally right. tax free yep. in retirement once you're over fifty nine and a half. Okay, great, great uh, prescription of the week, and that leads up here to our final topic, and that is the money meeting in Maui. Um, we weren't <laughs> invited. We weren't invited. Sounds Can more you like believe a, they didn't invite the money doctors. I, I I don't understand. Huh? So How do you have a money like, meeting without money dogs? Sounds more like the money boondoggle, <laughs> political <laughs> yeah. boondoggle in Maui. You know, I've seen some other meetings like that, you know, on the news about oh, our government you know, homeland security and some of those folks. Come on. But, uh, yeah, this is like a trade deal, right, Gordon? What's yeah, that, going on that, here? You know, some people know it as the um, Pacific Trade Agreement, but its official name is the Trans-Pacific Partnership. You know, uh, oh, the, the TPP, um, the U.S. and 11 partners, they're set to gather in hopes of finishing the Pacific trade deal uh, here at the end of the month. Uh, the Obama administration will be holding a high-level trade meeting in late July in an effort to conclude a sweeping Pacific trade pact uh, after winning key legislation in Congress last month to expedite U.S. approval. Um, the U.S. Trade Representative Mike Fromman uh, will join trade ministers from Japan, Vietnam, and nine other countries, including Canada, uh, around the Pacific on Hawaii's island of Maui from July 28th to the 31st. Um, other officials will gather earlier for a lower-level meeting on talks about trade agreement, um, but this will be kind of the big powwow. After passing the so-called fast-track legislation through Congress and signing it into law, President uh, Obama and top U.S. officials have renewed efforts to work with other countries and proposed blocks on coming to an agreement on the political sensitivity issues that remain. Now, I don't know about you, but when they talk fast-track passing, I think about the Affordable Health Care Act. And that yeah, it sounds a little scary. scares me you know, a little bit. What's interesting, though, is, is that um, it did win. Um, it passed in Congress. 
I the mean, fast track. The fast track. Congress. Yeah. Is that just bypasses everybody? Well, it means Congress gets to, the way I understand it is Congress gets to, still has to approve it, but yeah. it's just an up or down vote. They cannot right. cut out pieces right. of the agreement. Well, anytime, I mean, it's you just don't hear a lot of um, conversation about the president and Congress agreeing on anything. I mean, True. So I, you know, I wonder if there's there's some positive things in here. I think we'll get into that in a couple minutes. Well, but. I mean, yeah, and I think it scares the conservatives to death that there's this free trade agreement that's going to be passed, and it can have all kind of gotchas in there like the Affordable Care Act did, <laughs> and then all they get is an up or down vote, and they're politically f- pressured mm-hmm. to vote yes for the whole thing right. to that's swallow right. some of these really bad deals inside of it that give away – you know, certain what they parts, call pork, certain know? parts of our trade. So, yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's a little scary. But, yeah, so anyway, officials from U.S. and Japan, yeah, they're set to meet, you know, here re- here soon um, to close the gaps on the auto and agricultural trade. You know, that's an understanding between the two biggest economies in the group um, that would help to pave the way for the 12-nation agreement on issues ranging from intellectual property protection to environmental and labor standards. But the Pacific trade deal has faced some setbacks and delay many times, and there's no guarantee that the countries will be able to come to an agreement in Hawaii or this summer, but we'll see. be interesting. Yeah, there's some folks out there that don't even think the um, uh, the deal is going to happen. Lori Wallach, she's a senior trade ec- expert at Public Citizen. That's a watchdog group. It's really leading the criticism of the deal, and uh, unions uh, are also uh, opposed to it as well. So that speaks, I think that speaks volumes as to it some does. of the downside uh, from the state standpoint. Other countries have, have been exposed uh, via the fast-track debate to how many strong opponents there are in Congress and how uncertain um, the, uh, the pro-TPP House vote could be. Uh, U.S. officials have cited concerns that uh, could cause some delays, such as last, lack of progress in opening up the uh, Canadian agricultural market. So, you know, you look at the opponents and so forth. Um, union speak volumes is taking jobs away. I was, right? was going to say there, there's two big areas here that we're talking about that it could affect us economically. You know, uh, manufacturing and when, when you're talking about the automobiles, uh, the labor costs that are associated with it. You know, it's hard for us to compete. Uh, you know, with jobs and everything, when when they're doing basically slave labor, you know, and pennies on the dollar uh, to produce something that you know we're we're having to pay exponentially greater uh, wages here in the U.S. to do as well. And then when you know you're talking about agricultural issues too, some of those countries may not have the same standards. Uh, that that we have here in the U.S. and so, you know, there there are definitely some issues there that are going to have to be, I think, a little more closely addressed uh, when when they finally put this thing together. You know, still a, a deal coming in weeks uh, could allow the TPP to come to a final vote in Congress before the end of the year, according to some people. Uh, the peak of the presidential presidential election cycle next uh, year could complicate any deal fates in Congress, they say. So, you know, there, there's definitely some gaps uh, that are going to have to be closed and, and just seeing how President Obama's trying to sell it right now. 
Yeah, you know, in general, I'm I'm for free trade agreements like this, um, as long as it's a level playing field. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, what right. scares me is the idea that they're not going to address the inequities in the system. You know, the subsidies that are going on with tire manufacturers in China, for instance. You know, are they going to force China to stop subsidizing that? You know, and it's trying to undercut U.S. tire manufacturers. I mean, it's those kinds of things, you know, and the labor standards and the minimum wages and those sorts of things that, that scare me. Just a real interesting tidbit. doesn't relate to this at all, but I saw a, a commercial for an ETF that um, bought uh, Chinese companies that had non-governmental control. Huh. I had never seen that before, but yeah. I mean, kind of what you're speaking to, there are some mm-hmm. companies over there that government's subsidizing, but this ETF only focused on those that had no government involvement in it. So, so an exchange-traded fund yeah. was bought yeah, from it was just companies so. that were socially conscious yeah, or something I, I in guess, China. I guess that exists. That's a very interesting uh Interesting. Fun. Yeah, I guess, you know, the bottom line here is, Mr., you know, the president is selling the, the this Pacific Trade Agreement as a way to boost economic growth in the U.S. and increase American influence in the Pacific at a time when China is flexing its economic and military muscles. So it gives, you know, a lot of people concern. Yeah. Mr. Obama recently met with the head of the Viet, uh, Vietnam's Communist Party, Win Won Sun, uh, as a part of the effort to build ties with the country and a rebalancing of foreign policy towards Asia. So hopefully he and Mr. Sun are, are coming to grips with what they're doing here. However, some uh, Republicans and many Democrats in pro- uh, Congress, they're opposed to the, t- to the TPP. Yeah, that's uh, what I you thought. know, saying it could create avenues for multinational corporations to move production to countries such as Vietnam and, and other places that have, you know, much lower uh, labor standards and wages. You know, that was something that we were talking about. You know, I, I'm, I'm all in, like you said, Steve, I agree. I'm, I'm in for free trade as long as it doesn't take away too much opportunity, you know, here from, from our own country that needs it. You know, we're, we're still needing jobs. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. It's just got to be a, it's got to be a fair playing field and they just can't give away the, the farm, you know, in, in negotiating these deals. It's got to be fair and and even needs to be a it needs to be a win for the American people, and that's the key here. Uh, but in general, free trade is a good thing because it lowers cost and yeah, you know and it sure. allows it's capitalism. You know, us to buy things at a lot lower prices that other countries can produce cheaper. But we just got to get some benefit out of that too from our labor right. perspective. Okay, well this brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next Saturday from nine to ten a.m. to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. And do check us on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions. We would love to hear from you. You can email us directly at info at moneymd.net or give us a call during regular business hours at Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Have a good one. Have a great weekend. Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed local provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor, security sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC. See you.